Hi, this is Kelly Sterling and welcome to my podcast, Talking About Midlife. Today I'm talking to the wonderful Julia Lally. Julia is a sex and power coach based in the UK and I met Julia a couple of years ago when we were both studying sexuality, love and relationship coaching. I messaged Julia a while ago and asked her if she would be interested in doing a podcast with me around women's empowerment. This is something that we're both really passionate about and we both feel like it's a bit of a mission for, I guess, as individuals to do this work. Um, Julia, like me, just wants to smash the patriarchy. So Julia, of course, replied back and said, yeah. Let's do it. I think we spoke like three days later to plan it. And she was really keen to talk about sources of power and also orgasm as a source of power. So I really hope that you enjoy the conversation today. It's really, really interesting. And Julia is an interesting person who's interested in other people, which is one of the reasons that I admire her so much. She's just great to talk to. Enjoy. I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Julia Lally, whom I love very much, who is a sex coach. And it's very timely that I'm speaking to her because in the last two podcasts with Sarah and Nicole, we have come to the end of the conversation with both about women finding their pleasure in their life. So whether that's sexual pleasure or other pleasure, pleasure is an is an avenue to wellness. So today, Julia is going to be talking to me about that. And the other thing that I want to share is that Julia and I are both passionate when it comes to women's empowerment coaching. Um, And empowerment's a funny word because I feel like it gets overused a bit. But one thing that we both agree on is that when you get women into their bodies, Mm. they find their power. Mm. So welcome, Julia. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to be here. No problem. I guess um, a nice place to start. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to be a coach? Sure. Um, Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess I kind of ended up on the coaching path by mistake, really. I never kind of set out to think, oh, I want to be a coach. Um, But really, I had a fairly kind of alternative beginning. So, um, you know, I didn't go into the corporate career. I didn't get on the housing ladder. I was just a rebel, really, from quite early on. Lived on a narrowboat with my husband and played music and wrote things and that was my life and then really I had a baby and just went oh shit (laughs) so maybe it's time I got responsible and earned some money Uh, it might be nice to actually have a stable home just like my father always told me I should Um, and so we started a business back in 2002 really I know 2007 really from the back of our narrowboat. So we kind of took our boat to London and started a bicycle repair business. And that was kind of the, my entire thirties. I'm still doing that now as my, um, you know, kind of day Mm -hmm. job, if you like, although it's getting less and less. 
and I entered into that corporate kind of running a business world where I had this kind of ferocious pattern that I would provide for my son and, you know, we'd be successful and we'd be able to afford things, etc. And in all honesty, I just ran myself because I'm really strong. So like yeah. a lot of women who will be listening, who are just really strong, they've got yeah. a deep kind of energy source, right? And they just, they know how to give, they know how to do it, they know how to drive. And that's really what I did for many, many years. And as a result, you know, I just became further and further, more and more divorced from my body and from any kind of sense of day-to-day enjoyment you know everything was driven by the spreadsheets driven by the ambition you know it was like I took on a fight to succeed and at some point really kind of in my early 40s and I was living in London with my husband and I just began to my sexual energy which has always been always been fairly strong like I've always been really in touch with it it just began rampant will be the wrong word that, you know, it was not like I wanted to suddenly, you know, fuck the whole world. It was just more that it was like this deep sense of power or knowing or interest or something that drove me into exploring and opening up. And that's really how I began. So I started um, studying, you know, different uh, sexual techniques and meditations and, you know, going to different events across London and meeting interesting people, kind of sex positive communities, working with things with my husband. And yeah, that, to cut a long story short, I, I started to do some trainings. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to the Layla Martin Tantra training, which is where I met you, Kelly. Yes. And so the coaching kind of evolved naturally from that. I began talking about orgasm, talking about orgasm as a source of power talking about pleasure and kind of going on that journey to live that myself. Fantastic. Yeah. I, that sort of turning 40, stepping into power resonates with me so much personally, but also I see it in so many women that I work with and it's, it's why your forties are great. I think they're like a great time of discovery for so many women. I think so. I definitely felt like my 40s was so far my sexual peak, if I'm honest. Mm. Yeah. But also with that question of what is what is power anyway? And and it it isn't really what I thought it was. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that. So tell me, I guess, you know, the last definitely the last two years, I guess, with me, too, it's created space for women's empowerment. It's created more space. Uh, mm. I feel like men are getting a bit of a tough time of it. And mm. uh, there's a lot of great men around. And I feel mm. like somewhere there's a lot of healing work that needs to be done on both sides. Yeah. Uh, but that's another conversation. Maybe that's yeah. another podcast that you and I need to do. Um, oh, yeah. But what, you know, what, is, what does that mean to you, like women's empowerment? What is, when you... What does that mean for you? Well, it's interesting because I think I came to this um, by really discovering what power isn't, you know, and actually I think there's a, it's very difficult for us as women to really know 
what power is because of what we're taught you know we're taught it's one thing or another thing but one of my favorite teachers you know she she um talks about this thing called the smush which is where women live uh, and where we've been conditioned and taught to live and it's the place in between never being quite enough or being too much oh yes right and you think about this yeah. in your life so all, right, the even, time. all the time. All the time. Yeah, it's like we're, we're, it's smush. Like we, I love it. We're completely trapped within that sense of smushness, right? Mm. We're either too fat or too thin, or too rich or not rich enough, or too angry or not assertive enough. There's never that kind of place in the middle where we're just in clear self-approval for who we are. Mm -hmm. So it's like we, we, you know, we're we're not given a chance really to even begin to understand what power is mm. yeah and so i mean i don't know if it's the right time to talk about it but i I've, I've been fascinated by female power and i developed a nine-step system so every mm. single area of a woman's life that i feel needs to flourish and thrive mm. and needs attention mm -hmm. in order for us to live a kind of full empowered life and you know that can be there's lots of different areas that we need to tackle for example i spent 10 years running a business and whilst it nearly killed me you know within a year of having a baby i went from really living hand to mouth as an artist and musician to running a multiple six-figure company that happened within two years wow right so whilst i um you know, whilst it, I drew from, you know, I pushed my body to achieve that on one level that was empowerment because, you know, money is good, right? We need it in order yeah, to. And I, I feel well. like financial literacy is a very big part of empowerment for yeah. both men and women. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. And, it, and, you know, there's, there's a, I'm not quite sure where it comes from, but there's a pretty radical theory, which I love, which is that ultimately money and sex are so close together. Yeah. But money is really the creative thrust, or you could say pussy power, coming back to itself. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, we, we already own it because we, we own the capacity to create life. Yeah. <laughs> and money, money is nothing more than the creative force in an abstract form. Yeah, absolutely. So, as women, we're actually innately close to money. Yeah. my I was reflecting as I was sort of preparing for our discussion and I was thinking about, um, you know, what I'd learned about power over the years because I, I, my master's is in change management. So I've studied like, you know, how, how does change happen at an organisational level, at a national level, at a population level? Um, yeah. And power is a big part of that, okay? Uh, right. So I, I'm obsessed as you are about power um and then also having worked in leadership development for many years in the corporate world before i decided to become a coach you know we talk about socialized power uh, which is the capacity to influence so it's i guess social capital mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. what struck me is when i was looking at all the definitions that they saw they were external to us not internal mm -hmm. to us and i think that's the difference between what you and I, like what we're talking about, we're talking about something that is innately internal to us yes. 
but all, and I, and I guess maybe this is why it's difficult for women to understand power because we've been taught all along it's something that's outside of our reach. I would completely you... agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and ultimately, so... if you look at like the, the basic premise, the core of witchcraft is unificate, which is obviously, you know, an innately female kind of uh, skill in history. I would, yeah. I would say. Although no doubt there's lots of male witches out there that will be annoyed by that. However, <laughs> the, the unification of will, right? So witchcraft magic is nothing more than the capacity to influence. And it's really not as woo-woo as it sounds. Not at you know, all. When your internal state is in a certain place, you will see that reflected. Your will, your desire, and God or external reality, however you want to define that, will sink yeah and those are the moments when we you know we will say oh that's totally magical wasn't that amazing yeah it's the place where our internal and external come into alignment yeah i think some people call it flow as well yeah that's right yeah so let's get back to the internal aspect of power and helping women find that and so you know, you talk about as orgasm as the source of power. So can you yeah. tell me, tell me a story about that. Tell me all about it. <laughs> well, one, the first place that I really um, became, should I say, introduced to this concept was when I went to a workshop on something called orgasmic meditation in London. And this is base, a basic practice where a man will stroke a woman's clitoris for 15 minutes without goal. Mm -hmm. And it, it completely redefines the idea of what female orgasm actually is because mostly we are conditioned or we see orgasm, female orgasm, well, orgasm as climax, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And through my experience with orgasmic meditation, I began to open to the idea of orgasm as an experience okay so an experiential connection rather than uh, and should we say an experiential orientation rather yeah. than a goal orientation yes yeah and so as i began to experiment with this practice and go also go on to various kind of tantric practices like jade egg etc i began to experience and also to see in the women around me a sense of flow a sense of embodiment a sense a, a kind of sensual awakening which was then utilized to empower all the other areas of their life mm. so for example on my nine steps to power you know one of the important areas of life is money mm. but you know if you go at money without orgasm so mm. if you go at money without sexual awakening or sensual embodiment you're gonna burn out mm -hmm. you know you're gonna start making yourself actually sick yeah and so my theory came to pass that really orgasm or sexual sensual embodied awakening pleasure is the most important place to start on your empowerment journey because without it you have no juice yeah. You know, you, you know, with it, you're completely connected to source. Yeah. Without it, you're just pulling the, the marrow from your bones. 
Yeah. I think um, just so people understand who are listening. So in the Tao Tantric tradition, which is what we've been trained in, uh, your sexual energy is called Jing, which turns into your life force energy, which we know as Qi. Some people call it yeah. Kundalini. It's also Prana. So this is our yeah. natural energy. I think Christians talk about it as the Holy Spirit. So there's lots of different constructs of it. And then in the Taoist tradition, the Qi becomes Shen, which is a spiritual energy. So yeah. like I do Qigong. And so, yeah. you know, we work on cultivating that energy through that practice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about, you know, when you're not generating that energy, you, and I think for a lot of women too, when they run out of steam, they're also taking a very masculine approach to getting stuff done. So it's that drive, push, 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 go, 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 that you talked about that you yeah. were really in. I can relate to that. Cause, and also I would say, you know, that's the dominant construct and style of working in most organizations yes for sure for that's sure. Why, you know i think that's why a lot of women get burnt out i think and get sick well it certainly happened to me and i you know that i've been working with certain health issues for the past few years as a result of it yeah and kind of orgasm or coming into my body is is um been a major way of dealing with that and yeah. I will say that you, we all know women who are just in this kind of state of sensual flow. And you probably um, also meet them within the workplace. You know, we're everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, even though it might not be the dominant paradigm, I would kind of hasten to, I would, I would f theorize that it's potentially the most powerful place to be because a woman in that space going back to influence, influences the entire room around her. A little bit like a woman in a, in a deeply resentful, burnt out, manipulative, critical space can mm. also shut down the room. Mm. You know, so, you know, we, we, it may be underground, it may be subtle, this kind of feminine power. It may not be approved of or even taught in the corporate environment. But you can be sure as day that it's, it's, it's at work. It's still happening. Yeah. So it's rate. I like. I would call it radiance. You know, I would. I would see a lot of people would interpret it as rate. Like there's a natural radiance, or um, good vibes. Hey, she's like good vibes, and like people will listen to her because she's good vibes. They'll yeah, respond to her. They will. They will even love to serve her in some way. Yeah. So yeah. she gets what she wants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think um, certainly um the burnout factor like because I tend to coach a lot of high achieving women and they kind of get sick of being in that go do drive mode because they're not utilizing or they're not all aspects of themselves have not been allowed to shine so it's like you're only seeing part of me and I'm so much more than this and they know it intuitively yeah. and they come to me and they're like you know I, like I want to be a better leader or I want to be, I want to be more successful, but I, I just want, I want more in my life. Yeah. I and get it. it's hard for them to articulate it. But once you start doing this work with them and they're able to tap into all the feminine parts of them. Yeah. yeah it's mass and guys too. Right. So because they have a masculine and feminine, but it's massively empowering for people. 
Yeah, undoubtedly. And in some ways, I think men are more, can be more in their feminine than women a lot of the time. You know, for most yeah. of my life, I kind of condemn this as like, well, this is just male privilege. I mean, look at how that man just sits back and takes it. You know, <laughs> and look, look at how, he doesn't even know he's receiving it. You know, and and then I realized, well, so what? You know, it's like, who am I to condemn that? You know, I can. What's preventing me from from that mm. level of receiving too? What's preventing me from that? Not him. Mm. He's not preventing me from mm. taking that space. I am. Yeah. And uh, so what stops us? Like, what is it in the cultural narrative of the system that stops us from going to that? Or, or maybe we're scared and don't feel safe to go to that place. I mean, there's many different hypotheses, and I think it depends. Everyone's unique. But what, are you, what is your view on that? Well, I think when we start, you know, just, I just want to add something in here, actually, about something I call the three stages of orgasm. So when you start right at the beginning, you might be literally reclaiming your sense of knowing even what you've got down there or, you know, how your body works. Right the way through is kind of the second stage where you start opening mm. and expanding that orgasmic pleasure. But then we get to the third stage, which is really pretty advanced. It's like living according to some of these principles of embodiment. And I think your, your question really speaks to that because in that third kind of masterful stage, yeah. you really start to look at, well, hang on a minute. You know, why am I living like this? Why am I preventing myself from having more? And, and I think there's you know, a couple of things here. Mm. First, we tend to, we are terrified of our desires. We're terrified of them. And it's fair enough because desire is a very, very powerful stroke destructive force you know you spoke um a bit about you know kind of middle-aged women who get to their mid-40s and they just want their marriage over you know yeah so like the destructive side of of the feminine the destructive side of desire because when you really get into deep desires you know when you've hit a deep desire because you just go oh shit like if i actually want that if i let myself have that what exactly is going to fall apart you know so it's it's kind of it's it's yeah. ground earth shattering work and the other side then is is i think this is american term you know of like having this i always kind of resist using this word a bit but to receive is actually really hard you know so we clamp down our capacity mm. to receive we clamp down on it on a lot and Certainly in my experience, receiving has often, like the deepest moments of receiving have also been the most pregnant with grief and a kind of core grief around my lack of willingness to have what I want. So we stay away from those things quite naturally because we don't want to feel pain. And I really think that desire and receiving it's a fine line between her and the capacity to actually allow ourselves to have what we want. So we, we, you know, we close a lot of those things down and I'd love to tell you a story from one of my teachers who cited a, a study that was done in an organization in the States whereby they tracked the pay gap between men and women over a number of years. 
And then they decided to make that totally transparent and to publish that in the organization. And you would have assumed that women would be in outrage and just like demand pay rises. And the men would kind of get a bit humble and go, oh, okay, then well, maybe we should share. And, and you know, the opposite happened. So from that point on, the men started asking for more and the women started asking for less, which is utterly... Really? Like, yeah, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? But it kind of shows you the extent to which women are conditioned to not have what they want and to not receive. And this is why pleasure... Yeah. And then just to get crabby and to take it out on our husbands and our families and to just criticise, 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 complain, complain, complain. And defend, actually this, complain. Like, defend, complain. It, defend, complain. You know, whereas in actual fact, maybe the problem underneath all that is our capacity to allow ourselves to take pleasure in. And yeah. that's why pleasure is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And you get in this, um, there's a conditioning around giving and having to give all the time and give yeah. and give, yeah. but there's no replenishment. So that's that nourishment that you're talking about with the sexual energy. But there's yeah. no replenishment. And I feel like, oh, like I fit, uh, there's a guy that I follow called Lee Harris. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's, a, he's an energy that. guy. But he was talking the other day about, you know, we're in a self-care crisis. And I yeah. think so many people do not know how to look after themselves. And they're in this, uh, well, not look after themselves, take care of themselves, I would yeah. say. Yeah. So, like, take care of your nervous system. Like, listen to your body. Like, they just keep going yeah. and going or they self-soothe with alcohol drugs yeah. food um, you name yeah. it yeah um absolutely yeah. yeah i mean that brings us to you know another really important aspect of empowerment as women which is our boundaries yes but, you know one of the things i've certainly discovered and i don't know if it, you would ring true you know this rings true for you as well kelly but it's impossible to feel our boundaries unless we are actually in our bodies in the first place. 100%. Right. So it's not like you talk about this external thing. How can we kind of get good at our boundaries? The way we do it is by learning to feel. Yeah. And in the beginning, that's pretty terrifying because often our boundaries are violated or we're conditioned to not have them in order to, for, to, to have approval. So it all comes back to how can I get more into my body? And I think um, th there's the feeling, but also with that comes teaching people to regulate and strengthen their nervous system so mm -hmm. that, you know, when, well, I, I want to feel my emotions. So how do I do that? And obviously that's what you and I do really well as coaches, help people to do that but um, get them to listen to their nervous system, okay, which yes. is causing the trigger in the first place and, yeah. and have all these brilliant techniques, which meditation, breath work, you know, the list goes on and on and on to help them strengthen their nervous system so that they yeah. can strengthen their capacity to be with their feelings exactly and that. strengthen their capacity to hold themselves and, and yeah. find a place of compassion. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for, for themselves and for other people. And yeah. 
yeah, if they can't listen to their emotions, how the hell will they reinforce their boundaries no. at all? Yeah. This and is so, so much conflict in relationships, in intimate and platonic relationships, is because of boundary violation. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite, a, I mean, it's a, again, the force of the feminine, you know, she, she will rock the foundations. <laughs> it's like, if you really begin to open to your desire and, and the pleasure in your body and what it needs, well, then you begin speaking that and there's just a whole lot of crap that you won't take and you yeah. don't have to fight. You know, it's not like you have to fight your boss or your husband or your, your children. You're just clear and grounded in your know, and they can do what they like with that. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you can't speak your desires, you can't push against your bound. Like you can't reinforce your boundaries if you can't speak what you want. It's pretty simple really, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. we're so conditioned. Time of learning. <laughs> it, it is, but I find it so fascinating that, you know, in Australian culture, in English culture, in American culture, like where there's something that's happened in our narrative that has not given us permission to speak about what we want and where did that happen when did we how did we internalize that why is that so difficult oh my god so so difficult yet um you know we work with kind of micromanaging bossy people in our lives at the same time who are quite good at directing people and bossing them around to do stuff Mm -hmm. why you know and and we maybe push back aggressively or in a way um that's not particularly conducive to healthy communication well that's certainly true in my life i mean even kind of like leaving home and going straight into being a a full-time a full-blown rebel you know it's always (laughs) like pushing against something yeah you know and i've realized that you know, many of our, ner- most of us have nervous systems, men and women, that have been violated in some way. Yeah. You know, we've had our sense of self, whether that's through aggression or even more sinister stuff, you know, we, we have had our sense of boundaries violated yeah. often in childhood. Yeah. And aggression is definitely one of the ways that happened to me. So I find it really hard to stay in my body when there are bossy stroke violatory, you know, you get, there are those, there are those types. They just go around penetrating the fuck out of everyone in order to get what they want. Yeah. And, um, you know, I find those people really, really triggering. Definitely. Oh, me too. Like I just dig my heels in. I'm like, I'm out of here. Like, you do what you want. I'm doing my own thing. See you later, alligator. Um, Yeah. yeah. We have various coping, right? Some people go into anxiety and disappear. Some people stay and fight. How would it be if we actually just stayed in our pleasure center and observed that person for what Mm. they are, which is ultimately full of fear? Yeah. And tuned into our body as to, am I willing to do what they want? Yes or no? Yeah. or any kind of adjustments in between. And I can tell you now that, you know, that's a major practice of mine, major. It's not like I'm there. But when that happens, when someone comes at me with aggression or control, and I take that stand to actually feel in my body and go back sometimes with a, no, that's not going to work for me. Oh my God, does the shit hit the fan? You know, they just ramp it up. 
yeah. but, and often that comes from other women as well. Yes. The amount of women in my life who are who get enraged yeah. when I'm actually in my power. It's like a byproduct. Yeah. You know, we have to deal with that. I think um if I reflect on myself, um, because I'm pretty cool with saying Nah, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't really work for me. And I'm often met with dismay from people like they can't believe like, why wouldn't you want to do this? Like, yeah. And so um, I remember getting some feedback Oh, probably like 15, 16 years ago when I was working in corporate and the boss I had at the time, he's pretty terrific by the way. Um, and a bit mad himself said to me, like, <laughs> you, you like march to the beat of your own drum for the nth degree. Like, and I'm like, you know, I was about 31 or 32 at the time. And I just looked at him and said, what's wrong with that? Like, yeah. I actually didn't see anything wrong with it. You should be paying me double for that. Yeah, exactly. And I said, well, at least I'm not a sheep and I don't like follow all the other rubbish that goes, you know, the ridiculousness that goes on. And I'm happy to sort of stand up and be the voice of reason. Um, but Amen then everyone, that. what did he say? He or she? I just laughed, just laughed. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, there was just no swaying me. I just looked at him like he was, like, what are you talking yeah. about? Why wouldn't you want to be like this? Like, I'm not, uh, yeah. you know, I, I can laugh at myself now. And that, you know, that part of me is a strong part of me that um, other people experience. I'm very self-aware of it, but the impact it can have I really admire that about you, though, because, they're, they're, you know, they're not many who can survive and even thrive in that corporate world and hang on to their sense of self, you know? It is it's, hard. Uh, it's, it's yeah. a bit of a superpower. Yeah. yeah. I found it increased harder when I had kids because, you know, you're, you put their needs before your own. And so I felt very, like there was that internal tension that I felt a lot. Um, yeah. And that was a just kind of, at the end of the day, I went, actually, no, I, I, what I'm really good at is coaching and I'm really good at organisational yeah. development and solving kind of really um, wicked problems and I'm going to go and do that because that's actually what I love but back to um, back to the nine steps do you want to tell me a bit more about your your approach and your nine step approach just so people can understand how yeah. you work with this sure well um, I think the best thing is that I'm I'm to tell people about is that I'm releasing an audiobook so a series of chapters that deals with each of the nine steps so I'll kind of leave it there for people to discover really but it 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 goes through every area of life that I have found I need to to be thriving in in order to feel empowered so money is one of them for example mm -hmm. orgasm is you know it is the place to start and the home base and the place to keep checking in with because if you don't have that sense of pleasure then you're just gonna you're just gonna drive yourself to empowerment which kind of misses the point yeah so another another step possibly again a hugely powerful step is approval yes. you know as as you may have heard the the phrase i love this quote i don't know who it comes from but of approval is the key to alchemy okay. so i love that so much because like you know uh, one of the health problems i've struggled with in fact the main one is asthma that like you know yes, that about me. I do. and um whilst i have my breathing practices and all the things that you know are my postural practices all the things that are miraculous on a physical level I'm at the stage with it now where I'm actually kind of really 
touching in on an emotional or maybe you would say energetic level of what is it my lungs are actually been holding for me all these years mm. and you know okay so i feel a tightness you know what about rather than reaching for a bronchodilator and just like keeping going if i stop and just come into approval and it's really advanced it's not easy because mm. many of your listeners will have pain issues or health issues mm -hmm. or uh, uh, psychological issues that they will see as just a bane in their life. Yeah. And actually, if we, become, if we start to come into approval, a lot of the work you and I have done, right, in our Tantra training, integration, yeah. let's look at what that is trying to say to me and love it. Yeah. The, it's a gift. Well, I think... Um, uh... I think it was Susan Weed in her Wisdom of Menopause book. She talks about this, like the gift of, of perimenopause and menopause. And so the symptoms yeah. are showing up of areas that you need to focus yeah. on from a healing perspective or how has yeah. that body part supported you and, yes. and, and, and like kept you going and, what does yeah. it actually need from you right now? And is it that it doesn't want to do this anymore? And so what is that about? And is this um, yeah. actually a conditioning or a patterning that is not going to serve you in your, uh, I call it your third act, right? So uh, once we go through this stage, we get into like, you know, we call it our third act, but it's this tremendously, um, it, it's, a, it's a powerful time to be a woman, I think. And it's, you know, you're not ha so worried about, creating babies anymore and your body has all this energy now so the womb um you're not menstruating anymore so all the energy that associates with that is now got to go somewhere and you can harness yeah. that and utilize it but at the same time your body's saying hey sort this other stuff out because that's not going to support you in your greatness going forward well yes and i love some of the stuff we've spoken about how you've begun to use like even the hot flushes yes. as a power as a power source, as a kind yeah. of Kundalini experience. It's super empowering, but I'd love to add in there that from my experience with perimenopause, okay, and I know this is not gonna be every woman's experience and we all make the choices we make, mm. but for me personally, it has been, it's like, Julia, you know, you are teaching orgasm, you are teaching surrender, so just goddamn do it then. You know, it's like here, here yeah. we are ramping up the practice a level with menopause. And yes. it's like, you know, that's how I'm, that's how I'm approaching menopause. And I'm not to, not to dismiss the difficulty of it, but it is ultimately a portal for surrender. And sur I just want to put that out there to your women listeners. Surrender is hot. It's totally. full of sexual turn on. It's the yeah. thing that we're often missing as we kind of organize and drive everything forward in our lives. So it's an amazing opportunity for back to the premise of female power. It's back to sexual energy and orgasm. Yeah. And you might not feel like having sex well, so much. Yeah. But I think also when you try and control it or you try and uh, when your goal is orgasm, often it doesn't happen where it, when you just surrender and you just feel, you know, you feel the feelings of it. You feel the sensations, you be with your breath. Like that's when the magic happens as well, isn't it? 
it totally is and you know from you mentioned the Taoist tradition you know when you look at the capacity for a woman's body for a kind of yin based experience mm. and I was just reading in a book the other day how when yin as an as a, a yin orgasm is awakened in a woman's body it's slower to warm up but it can go for days yeah and so it's not this kind of rush of climatic experience but it becomes a state of body and mind that we are inhabiting and that's what where i like to think we can take our orgasmic practice is into a new magnetic graceful state of being yeah which empowers us so beautiful so beautiful so if you were going to give some women some tips about finding their pleasure so their sexual pleasure what might be some other pleasure aspects that they could start practicing yeah straight away because that's a big part of it is i think receiving is allowing yourself to experience pleasure because we're not really conditioned for it absolutely and it can be really scary to open up as well so the one of the things i teach women one of the places i teach women to start is by really gently um plugging into their desire every day and it can be quite painful because you get to see how you betray your desire on almost a minute by minute basis so just start really tuning in and asking yourself the question what do i want and it might be i want an ice cream and you're like okay cool so you know you don't have to buy it but you can sit in approval of the desire and then ask well okay what's underneath that underneath an ice cream what do i want so you just kind of it's got an exercise called desire mining so you just keep digging for the desires and it's like any muscle if you do that you start to um get a kind of better relationship with your drive for pleasure because your body has an innate drive for pleasure and we are culturally we're taught to punish ourselves for that so start opening up your desire yeah Yeah, right it's it's kind of cultural and religious conditioning largely yeah yeah you know how many of us especially as women believe if, I, if we were in a room with a bunch of women right now and I said, raise your hand if you think that desire is selfish. It's what we're taught. It's what religion teaches us. Yeah. Desire is dangerous. Desire is selfish. So it's kind of revolutionary and radical to start saying, hey, well, maybe I can start opening my desire. Maybe I can start allowing yeah. myself to hey maybe even god lives in my body <laughs> let's take it all the way and and so this a desire practice is a great place to start but of course it's mm-hmm. quite it can be quite heady if you're used to being you know in your mind and that's a place that you like to inhabit mm-hmm. so some kind of sensuality practice whether it's just slowly touching yourself stroking yourself you can go onto my website. No doubt you also practice this, um, Kelly, and uh, download a breast massage. A breast massage yes. is a wonderful place. I mean, I have clients. One client is like, Julia, I do that. I follow that audio every single night before I go to bed. So it's yeah. just beginning 
to give yourself even five minutes of kind of skin on skin connection. Yeah. Those kind of things are great places to start. One other tactic might be to actually tune into your pussy. So tune into your, because a pussy never lies, right? She's like, right. She is bang on your desire. Mm -hmm. Okay. You might not, you might not always want to hear it, but kind of like next time someone asks you to do something at work or, you know, wherever you are, like tune, tune into what your pussy feels. Is it turned on or is it just like, <laughs> and start responding? All very I, simple ways. Yeah, I love that. I love Mama Gina's, like I love her book, Pussy, and I love the way she explains. Um, have you read Pussy, Mama Gina's book? Yeah, yeah, so you know she talks about your as your global pussy in the sky, like your GPS, yes. as your way of tuning in, which is basically what you're saying is, um, you know, we listen to our gut, but actually if you listen to your pussy, like she's pretty powerful and she's pretty smart yeah. and she, she totally has your back. totally knows what's going on. And I yeah. think, you know, tuning into the deep wisdom within us, a lot of it, you know, it's from there. Totally. And... One thing to say to your listeners is, you know, when I mentioned the three stages of orgasm, like Mama Gina, you know, that some of those female teachers that are coming through um, and a whole new generation as well of female teachers who are rising, you know, that's the, that's the place they're at. They're, they're navigating their life from this sense of the feminine. Yes. But, you know, I just want to reiterate to, there may be people listening who don't even know where their clitoris is. Correct. You know, it's yeah. like, there are people on a, on a, that women are on a whole spectrum. And yeah. so in terms of pleasure, I just kind of want to reassure people, especially if there's been abuse and trauma, um, which by the way, any kind of abuse can affect your sexuality. It doesn't have to be sex abuse. Yes. That we can start really slow and gentle with this and yeah. kind of begin to re-educate ourselves about what we have. Yeah. Like I think the practice of um, one that, that I love in terms of just orienting people with pleasure is like just taking the time to gently touch your skin or maybe run your fingers through the hair with yeah. a sense of curiosity in the way that a small baby, you know, when little babies like discover parts of their body, like, oh my God, my feet. Yes. And you, you watch their face and they're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I've got these feet. Yeah. But to take, yeah. strip it right back to that and to retrain yeah. your body to, re, to teach it again what that feels really nice. You know, when I touch my skin really gently like that or I brush my, my arm or my stomach or run my fingers, it can be that simple as starting from there, which is really yeah. great also if you have a lot of trauma in your body to yeah. start from that really safe place. Totally, because like some one client in particular, I'm thinking of, you know, and especially if you've experienced sexual abuse, pleasure can actually be coupled in your brain with danger. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you, you may even have experienced sexual turn on as your boundaries were being violated. So, yes. you know, it's possible for those women you know, we start with a lot of kind of grounding work and resourcing work and okay, going in ever so you may start to touch yourself and feel pleasure and that might feel dangerous. So we just kind of pendulate in and out of that 
yeah. as you, you and Wolfram, no doubt you also work in similar ways, Kelly. Yes, I do. I do, definitely. <laughs> so um, let's just finish up. So you work with women, you work with men, so on an individual level, and you also work yeah. with couples. So you yeah. do couples coaching as well. Um, yeah. And you work online mostly, or do you work face-to-face as well? I'm, work- I pretty much work online. Yeah. And so people can find your website, which is yeah. julialally.co.uk, which is a really yeah. cool website, by the way. I love it. Um, what you. about on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram um, forward slash Julia Lally. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Facebook. My page is called You Can Have It. And I'm just starting to group people into a group. It's not very active yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm designing my online orgasm course. That's where my energy is going. But pretty yeah. soon I'll be on Facebook. Yeah. Fabulous. Thank you so much for today. That was really, really interesting. Welcome. And cool. I was watching the clock just the last minute and I thought, oh, I could just keep talking for another hour. So I should probably <laughs> yeah. like wind it up now because Julia's got stuff to do because she's in the UK and she's ready to start her day. But thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. All right. Yeah, love, to, love to Kelly. Beautiful. No worries. <laughs>